Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. Good, as Sue says, to be back. This is going to be our last session in Isaiah chapter 61. Some of you might think, thank goodness for that. Uh, We've been a long time looking at the favour of God. Uh, And we're going to look at our final session this morning. It's going to be uh, 6 plus 1. That's the title. And uh, all will be revealed shortly. 6 plus 1. And uh, you'll see why we're looking at that title just in one second. Who would like to read Isaiah chapter 61? The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance on our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins, they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. For you shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honour, and instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double Everlasting joy shall be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth and will make with them an everlasting covenant. Their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to bring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Okay, that's wonderful. Um, Yeah, we've come to the end of... Isaiah chapter 61, this particular look at this chapter. In the past, in the years past, we have looked at this chapter. But you know, I must confess, this time I've really fallen in love with this chapter in a way I've never fallen in love with it before. And I hope, and my prayer is, that some of you have actually got to know this chapter, maybe at a level you've never got to know it before. Is that true? Yeah? One person says yes. (laughs) But I hope you have, because you think of the hours and the hours, and the hours of teaching and preparation by the folks who have taught, even when I've been away these last four weeks, of people who have researched scriptures and sought to bring to us what God is saying. And I listened to the podcast when we're away, and it really encouraged me, the the level of the teaching that all of us receive here. Um, don't take that for granted. I've been in churches where the level of the teaching that they receive is not of a standard that we receive here. Now, I'm not talking about my teaching. I'm talking about the guy's teaching. It was great. And I hope that you in this soil are growing. 
And this chapter, I've fallen in love with it. It's our vision, it's our purpose, it's our assignment, both corporately as a church, as a fellowship, as a community, but it's also our assignment as individuals. This is what Heather just read, is your assignment as an individual. But this is what God is calling us to, and I've heard from other people in other churches say, well, it's not just, not just your vision. I said, no, that's exactly right. It's the vision of the church generally. It's everybody's vision. Uh, Isaiah chapter 61. So some of it you'll remember quite well. Some of it you may have missed totally. Some of it you may want to forget. But I just want to pick through uh, six points this morning. And that's where the six comes from. And then I've got one extra at the end. Six plus one. That's where I got my title from. And uh, because these are six quick points I want to look at that I feel are important, that you may have missed, or you may have forgotten, or you may want to be reminded of. So I've called it six plus one. And at the beginning of the start of the journey, way back in September, I opened up on uh, the first one, which is, the Spirit of the Lord God is on me. The very first Sunday, I looked at that phrase, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And then when I was away, I was listening to Pete, and uh, lo and behold, he spoke in that same phrase. Uh, I don't know whether he'd heard that I did the first one or whether he missed it or whatever, but that's the phrase he was, and it's an important, it was, it was well worth looking at it twice, because when you consider that the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, the Spirit of the Lord God is on us, that should stop some arguments. That should stop some petty problems when you realize, when you wake up in the morning and you say to yourself, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. That should stop some nonsense in our lives, shouldn't it? Yeah, I'll answer myself. Yeah, but it should stop some nonsense because we are, when people speak to us and connect to us and relate to us, they should realize, and they should realize themselves, if they're Christians, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon us. We can't just treat people any old way, because the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on us. It's a statement of truth. It's a statement of purpose. It's a prophetic statement. When we wake up in the morning, when we get to preach, when we go and see our friends, when we go to work, it's a prophetic statement. It's a declaration. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the Spirit of the Lord God is upon us. And if you're a Christian here this morning, that is true of you. It's true of you. And uh, please take that on board, that the Spirit of the Lord God is upon you. And we need to live up to that reality. You know, our lives is a shop window for that truth. <laughs> Just think of that. Your last week. <laughs> you, it's like you're a shop. And you're the shop window. And you're saying to the world, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. There it is. That's frightening, isn't it? It's frightening to me. I don't know if it's frightening to you. The Spirit of the Lord, we, that's what we declare as Christians. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon us. And then we'll show them our shop window. <laughs> yeah. There's <laughs> a few worried looks. And I know how you feel. Because that's the truth. We have been bought with a price. And the only reason the Spirit of the Lord God can be on you and me is because of what Jesus did on the cross. Not because of our behavior, not because of what we've achieved. It's because of 
someone 2,000 years ago, not only did he read it in the synagogue, he acted it out in service to us. And at the cross, he died for us so that we can say the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us. Okay, that's number one. Number two, I'm going to go through these quickly. Number two, we are anointed. We are anointed for a reason. We're not anointed to feel good. We're anointed for a purpose, for an assignment, for a commission. We're not anointed to boast about how anointed we are. <laughs> you know, I hear so much about anointing. We're anointed for a purpose. We're not anointed because we're in a certain denomination or a certain style of, of Christianity or a certain group of Christians. We are anointed for a purpose. If Jesus was anointed for a purpose, we should be anointed for a reason and for a purpose, not for, to show how spiritual we are. We're not anointed to please ourselves or indeed to please anyone else. We're anointed for a mission, for a reason, just like Jesus. This is what he said, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. That was his purpose. So we are anointed for a reason. So the question I have for me, the question I have for you is, why are you anointed? Have you found out the reason you are anointed? Have you found out your purpose? Why you were born? Why you were born at such a time as this? Why you were born physically? Why you were born spiritually? Because we all have been anointed for a reason. And the clue to finding out your purpose is to find out your passion. Find out what your passion is and you'll find out what your purpose is. And I'm talking passion, I'm not talking perversion. <laughs> okay, find out what your passion is. Your flesh has passion, but this is a spiritual passion I'm talking about. And the day you find your passion is the day you find your purpose. The day you discover your purpose is the day you discover why you were born. And the day you discover why you're born is the day you start to live. <laughs> you got that? That's the day you start to live. The day you find your passion is the day you find your purpose. The day you discover your purpose is the day you discover why you were born. You were born for such a time as this, as this day. Your birthday is not a mistake. The fact you're here today is not a mistake. The fact that you're married to the person you're married to, the person you is your mother, your father, your son or your daughter, none of that is a mistake. You were born at a specific time. And you might think you were a mistake. Your parents might think you're a mistake. You are no mistake to God. No mistake. There is no mistakes with God. And so you're born in this generation. You are born and live in this city for a purpose, for a reason. And so we need to find why has God anointed us for Jesus to preach the good news. And yes, we all need to preach the good news, but you've been anointed for other reasons. Find out what those reasons are. That was number two. Number three, we have good news. We have good news. When I hear Christians so often, I hear so much bad news, so much negativity. We live in a world of negativity. We live in a world that is doom and gloom, and yet we as Christians have good news. 
And so therefore, we should be the happiest people alive. When we walk into the room with the Spirit of the Lord God upon us, we should bring in a different spirit. We should not lower the tone in the room. If people are feeling depressed before we walk into the room, and then we walk into the room and they're even more depressed, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. We have good news. And you don't know what the good, if you don't know what the good news is, the great thing about Isaiah 61 is it lists what the good news is. What's the good news? Broken hearts can be healed. Captives can be liberated. Prisoners can be set free. Mourners can be comforted. Your ashes can be turned to beauty. To say something about ashes in passing, some of us are walking about with bags of ashes, okay, from the past, and we need to let them go. Ashes, all sorts of ashes that have been burnt up, situations, and we need to let them go and let God give us beauty as a swap. You know, it's like somebody dies. I've never done this personally, but somebody dies, and some people walk about with their ashes, understand, of something that's gone. And they walk about, or they put them on the mantelpiece. This was our little dog, Poppy, or whatever, you understand? And it's the past. It's gone. Don't walk about with remembering arguments and problems and situations and difficulties you understand? Let your ashes be turned to beauty. Joy, this is the good news. Joy can be yours instead of sadness. Praise instead of sadness and heaviness. Double honor instead of shame. That's the good news of the gospel. It's wonderful good news. It's wonderful. If you don't think that's good news, if you think there's some other good news, I don't know. That's, that's good news. So we should preach, we should share, we should accentuate and live good news. We should accentuate the positive rather than the negative. And you read social media, you hear so many Christians moaning and groaning and everything, about everything else in their life. And it, why? We should be happy. We should bring in the positive, not the negative. And so many of us, not here, obviously, it couldn't be us, could it? But so many of us all are quick to think of the negative, but not think of the positive. Colin Urquhart used to say, we live, and he wrote a book on this, the positive kingdom. So we should be positive. Number four, we're rolling through these quickly. Number four, experience and enjoy the benefits. Okay, experience and enjoy the benefits of being a Christian. Imagine if you got a new job. And let me just say, some of the benefits were what? A new car, an expense account. This is a good job. A new car, an expense account, a clothing allowance, free petrol, all sorts of... Some of you are smiling because you think, oh, I like a job with this. All sorts of benefits made available to you because you have been accepted into this position. And you turn up for the first, at the first day of this new job, and you turn up at the head office in your old car. And you go into the office, and you have the introductory sort of uh, meeting that you always have when you start a new job. It can last an hour, it can last a day, it can last a, a week. And eventually after that, they hand to you 
the new car keys. The company credit card. This is a good job. Vouchers for the clothes shop for that you can get the dress that you need to have. And at the end of the day, having now got your new position, having now been accepted into the company, you leave the office, you go to the car park, and what do you do? You get back into your old car, you start her up, and you drive off in your, with your new company car in the rear view mirror. You see it in the past, and you're going ahead in your old car, and you go straight to the petrol station, you fill up your car with petrol with your old credit card, the one that's nearly maxed up, and then you, you go and get some clothes at the shopping center, traffic center on the way home, and you use that credit card again, and having picked all that up and done all of that, you go home, and you think, I haven't used what has been given to me at all. And you all think, absolutely ridiculous, we'd never do that. Why would I do that? I've got a new car to drive. I'll leave the old car there, they can have it. I've got a new car. I'll use their credit card, I won't be using my credit card. I'll get some new clothes, not in my card, but on their card, because they have said, I can have this. But why do we think that's ridiculous when as Christians, we have been promised so much as Christians, and yet we are not using them, we're not receiving them, we're not living in it. So that's why I say experience and enjoy the benefits of being a Christian. So if you have a broken heart, let your broken heart be healed by Jesus. If you want to experience freedom and not bondage and be held in captivity, you, you can be free. You can be set free. The time for mourning in your life of him, her, them, situation, job, whatever it is, the time for mourning of somebody who's abused you or whatever it was is over. It's over. Every single person in this room could mourn about something. We could all mourn about something or somebody or a situation or an experience last week, last month, last year, 10 years, 20 years ago. It's time for rejoicing. It's not time for mourning. And God says, I want you to experience and enjoy the company benefits. <laughs> the kingdom benefits. I want you to experience them here and not just wait to heaven to experience some of them. You understand? Experience them here. Okay? That was number four. Number five. Time's moving. Start where you are and finish the journey. Start where you are and finish the journey. Pete talked last week, didn't he, about rebuild, repair, restore. I think it was the three R's that he mentioned in your life. Rebuild, repair, restore. And when you became a Christian, you were set free from all sorts of bondages and disasters and difficulties. That is God's plan for me. That's God's plan for you. But let me tell you something. Maybe nobody's ever said to this, this to you before. If you had a difficult marriage before you became a Christian, let me just tell you, you will have a difficult marriage after you've just become a Christian. If you had money difficulties before you were a Christian, you would have gone home from the meeting and still had money difficulties. If you had a difficult boss before you became a Christian, you will have had a difficult boss after you became a Christian. Okay? God did not change the boss. 
He did not change the overdraft. He did not change the husband or the wife. What he changed was you. Okay? So we need to rebuild and repair and restore. And we need to do these three things where we are right now. Because God sends us back from accepting him back into our own lives. You understand? So if we had difficult situations before we became a Christian, if you had an ache on your elbow before you became a Christian, you'll have an ache on your elbow after you became a Christian, unless God touched you miraculously. Okay? If, if your husband's got a bad mood at first thing in the morning, then your husband will still have a bad mood first thing in the morning after you become a Christian. Okay? Not looking at anyone. But start where you are and finish the journey. So we go back with the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord up on us to rebuild the marriage, to repair our overdraft or our credit report, whatever it is, to restore that relationship with your son or your daughter or your mother or your father. We start where we are, and then we go towards the end and finish the journey. God is not going to zoom, sorry, <laughs> suddenly take you out of one situation and take you into another situation. Say, right, you've become a Christian, husband's gone, overdraft's gone, boss is gone, and now you're in wonderland. It doesn't work like that. And I think sometimes when we talk to people who are becoming Christians, we give them such a, a sense of everything's going to change. Everything's going to be amazing. Everything in your life is going to be upside down, la, 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 la. And people think, oh, that means that my, my mortgage is going to disappear. My overdraft's going to disappear. My husband's going to disappear. My wife's going to disappear. My boss is going to disappear. Whatever it is, you understand? It's not like that. God says, no, no, I'm giving you the spirit of the sovereign Lord for you to go back and rebuild and repair and restore the situation that you find yourself in. And when you became a Christian, God showed you the promised land. And then he said, okay, you're in Egypt. Start off and walk and walk and journey through your wilderness. And I'll show you that I am God in that situation. So you go back to that marriage, back to that job, back to that debt, and work out the salvation that he's put in you. Okay, number six. Always dress appropriately. <laughs> Always dress appropriately. Don't come home like the prodigal son and refuse to wear what the father has provided for you. So we should dress appropriately with garments of salvation. We are saved. If you've accepted Christ into your life and you've repented and you've turned around, that's what repentance means, you've turned around and you're going in the opposite direction, you are saved. Saved. You don't need to doubt it. You don't need to fear it. God loves you. He has given you a garment of salvation you're saved, okay? He's given you a robe of righteousness. Your own righteousness is filthy rags. What you came home with, prodigal, is filthy. It smells of pigs. It smells of all sorts of things that pigs do. And, <laughs> and we're filthy in our own right, with our own clothes. But when we came home, the father listened to about half a sentence of our apology, and then he said, shut up. Shut up. I don't want to hear about how sorry you are. I catch that you've repented. What I want to do is give you a garment of salvation. I want to give you a robe of righteousness because you are my son. You are my 
daughter. I don't want to hear any more about working out and paying back your dues and being a slave and, and making good and coming to me in and, and, and six years' time and saying, well, I've served you for six years. I'm, a, I'm a okay now. No, no, no. You are a son in the... You were a son when you left. You were a son when you were eating the pig's well. You were, well, you wanted to eat the pig's well. didn't eat it. And you're a son on the way home. You are a son. You're a son. You're a daughter. So let's just get that straight, Freedom Center. Maybe for some folks this morning. You're a son and you're a daughter. So dress appropriately. Don't try to be good enough for God. Because you'll never, ever do it. Don't dress with your own self-righteousness. Don't put on self-work salvation. That's the slave. That's a slave mentality. You're a daughter. You're a son of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he wants us to dress like it. He wants us to live like it. And the dress for this gig is garments of salvation and robes of righteousness. He supplies the dress. So it's like a company suit. <laughs> you understand? He supplies the clothes. And these clothes aren't cheap clothes. They are designer clothes. The, the price of these clothes is unimaginable to our human brains because it's what was done at the cross. So that's the six. But the title is six plus one. Isaiah 61. 60 plus 1. What's the plus 1? 6 plus 1 equals 7. 7 is the perfect number. What's the plus 1? Number 7 is we will get resources, recognition, revelation from the nations. Okay? We will get resources, recognition, revelation from the nations. Do you know there's people that you've never, ever met from some of your homelands, you've never ever met them, but they love the Freedom Center. Some of them give to the Freedom Center. Some of them pray for the Freedom Center. We get resources, we get recognition, we get revelation from the nations. And in the message, it says, the verses that uh, I want to concentrate for this little point is, you will hire outsiders to herd your flocks and foreigners to work your fields. It's not a mistake that most people in this room do not come from Preston. <laughs> Just think about that. There's hardly anybody here who comes from Preston, and yet we have a charity called Love Preston. Just that's amazing when you think about it. I'm not even from your nation called England. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> no, <laughs> but do you understand? We're, we're different from Preston people. We are. And, and, and yet God has called us here. And so God has called us to come and love Preston. So you will hire outsiders to herd your flocks and foreigners to work your fields. And that's not just because we live out or come from outside of Preston in, in the UK, but it's other people from other parts of the world who want to come here and serve us. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing that that young couple we talked about, we're, we're almost pleading with Sue and I, that they, and he's a lawyer. He's not somebody who's, who's like, oh, I, oh, I can't get a job. I'm going to go to the UK and get a job. He's a lawyer, but he wants to come to the Freedom Center and serve us. 
So these verses that I'm reading now, you'll hire outsiders to herd your flocks, foreigners to work your fields. Your descendants will become well-known all over. Your children in foreign countries will be recognized at once and as the people I have blessed. So the master God brings righteousness into full bloom and puts praise on display before all the nations. We are not just a Preston City Church. We love Preston. Literally, don't we? We serve Preston. We pray for Preston, but we are not limited to Preston. We're not limited to Lancashire. We're not limited to England. We're not limited to the UK. We have, I mean, just think about some things here I listed down. We have a spiritual father who is in, in Dallas, Texas. We have a Freedom Center family in Germany. We have relationships with churches who want to call themselves Freedom Center in Malawi. We have a former member of the Freedom Center serving in Cambodia. We support a child in China. We have many people in countries who thank God for the ministry of the Freedom Center. We have books, Susan was saying, we have books, Free Learn to Lead book, being printed in Malaysia, India, the Philippines, and Sri Lanka. All over, thousands of books that they're hungry for. We've taught leadership in all these countries and much, much more. Our teachings have gone to churches from a few people under a bit of canvas or a few kids on the ground, they've gone from that all the way up the spectrum to 40,000 members in a church, in the biggest church in India. Our teaching has gone from the smallest to the largest. Amazing. Amazing what God has done. Amazing. Many saved, healed, restored, encouraged, taught, discipled because you've given, because we have loved, because we have served, because we've built up what God's doing here. And any time that you tear down what God's doing here, somebody else has to build it up. Any time you say, oh, I'm opting out of this, somebody else has got to opt into it. You understand? The vision is that God will send people as we need them. And they may come from other nations. They may come from this nation. For most of us, we've come from other parts of the UK. So we could go on and on and on about how the nations are woven into the fabric of of the Freedom Center. Right from the very beginning, they've been woven into this chapter, but also woven into the vision. And that's why we go to the nations. That's why we went for a month away to these different nations, because God has called us to these nations. I can think of people, I can see their faces right now, all the colors of the rainbow and their clothes and, and uh, just wonderful people who thank, thank God that we as a church sent our first fruits. You know, many churches send fruit, but they don't send their first fruit. I'm a great believer in giving our first fruit. Maybe we'll talk about this sometime. Giving our first fruit. And so, if you look at the New Testament, they gave their first fruit. They sent Paul on the missionary journeys with other people. They sent their first fruit. And that's why we go. That's why we invest. That's why we pay a price. Because the commission is, go ye into all the world and make disciples. All authority is given when we go. Some of us are looking for authority before we go. But when you go back to work, when you go back to that relationship, when you go back into that family, back into that job, God will give you the authority as you go, baptizing them. I mean, we've baptized people in India, baptized people in the sea uh, at, uh, at Goa. <laughs> It was amazing. I baptized two former members of the Freedom Center in, on the beach at Goa. 
And I think, Abby, were you there, Abby? Yeah, you saw it. And we baptize them and we teach them. And God says, and Jesus says, Lo, I am with you always. And that's one thing I've been certain of this last month. He has been with us every which way. Every time he's been with us. I'll tell you a funny story. And uh, we were staying just before we left to come back home in Kuala Lumpur. And we're staying in this hotel. And we went, to, walked up the street to this little shopping center that was there. We thought of a wander around there. We're a bit like space cadets. We didn't know where we were. And uh, walked around. And then the heavens opened. It was thunder. It was lightning. It was just coming down in an avalanche. And uh, I said to Susan... We're not, Susan said to me, we're not going to be able to walk home in this. It's just, you know, we were dressed in shorts or whatever. And, uh, and then I spotted another couple who were staying. I'd recognized them from the hotel. I thought, oh, they're staying. And they were heading for the taxi. So I thought, being a Scotsman, let's have a taxi with them, you know. And so she was from, well, I'll tell you in a minute where she was from. Anyway, got into this taxi. He, he, he was full of fun and one-liners and, and everything. He was from Dubai. She, he told me, was from Uzbekistan, and she was like something had stepped out of a, 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 a catalogue, you know, and uh, <laughs> I don't know what sort of catalogue, but from a catalogue, uh, <laughs> or a magazine, uh, sorry? Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what sort of model, but she was a model. Uh, anyway, got in this taxi, and... Uh, and he, he paid the taxi. I said, oh, what, what, what's the line of business? Are you here in business? Yes, I'm here in business. I said, what, what, so, what do you do? And he was laughing and joking. I couldn't quite get a handle on what, what he did. And he says, oh, I make people money, sometimes losing money. No, but I make people money. And so I said, all right, okay. And uh, got back to the hotel. And when we got into the door, we went to go to the right. He went to go to the left. And I suddenly realized, oh, we'll never see him again. So I said, oh, nice to meet you. You know, thank you. Uh, he says, can I just have a word? So I thought, what's here? Thought, he'd been telling us how he had camels in Dubai and all the rest of it. I didn't know what was true, what was not. He's got nine camels and a donkey. <laughs> so he said to me, I thought he's going to do a deal for Susan, you know. <laughs> so so, so, uh, so he, got, he, says, he says, come over here. So Susan was left with the lady from Uzbekistan. And he says, um, he says I, I've got some M if you need any. I thought, is he offering me money? I thought, he's definitely after Susan, you know. I says, M. I says, what's M? Marijuana, he says. Uh, he <laughs> I said, oh, no. I says, no. If I had been quick and I said, no, I don't need any M. I've got plenty J. And if you need some J, let me know. J for Jesus. But, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I wasn't quick enough on that. I was like shocked, you know. And uh, why am I telling you the story? I can't remember. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this is him offering me. Um, in uh, where were we? Malaysia, you get hanged if you're dealing in drugs. I mean, there's no messing about it. You, you know. Uh, <laughs> no, see you, goodbye. Um, but we meet all sorts of people when we travel, and I don't know why I told you that story. But anyway, it's funny. At least I thought it was. Um, but the nations are woven in to all that we do and always will be. You know, you need a heart for people that are different from us, people who are sometimes frightening to be with, some people who are just, they just think they don't do things the same as what we do, but they have a hunger and a heart for God which is challenging to us. 
so challenging to us. And I, I, I spoke to one young man in, in Kuala Lumpur, and he said, I want, to, I want you to go to Indonesia. I want you to go to China, he says. He says, people have taken there, he says, have come from large churches in America. He says, when they've gone to China, when they've gone to Indonesia, they have been shocked. And I said, shocked in what way? He says, shocked at the hunger in people for God. We, we are, we're playing at it. We're playing at it in this country. We're playing at it in America. We're playing at it in the West. These people have nobody else but God. He's the doctor. He's the bank manager. He's everything. You understand? He's the friend. Every, every issue comes to Jesus. Every issue. So when we're praying for people, every issue, they bring up everything because there's nowhere else to go. And when there's nowhere else to go, then only Jesus can do it. Suddenly, your relationship with him changes. So, how am I going to finish this? Six plus one. This is our vision. This is us. This is the Freedom Center. This, this is who we are. I wonder if you want a place. I wonder if you want to play your part. I wonder if you want to join us. I wonder if you want to resource what God's doing here. There's all sorts of ways. And there's room for everyone. Everyone's here, everyone who's not here. Everyone who likes the worship, everyone who doesn't like the worship. Everyone who likes the teaching, everyone who doesn't like the teaching. There is room for everyone because all of us are like a piece of the jigsaw and we just put it in place. And when we put it in place, it completes the picture of who we are. Freedom Center is not perfect. You'll never get perfect pastors, and we are certainly not the perfect pastors. But we are determined in our spirit, in our lives, and our leadership is too, to get the job done. What's to get the job done? What To spread the good news. So that people out, he, out there, as well as people in here, can have their broken hearts healed, can have their ashes turned to beauty, can have their mourning turned to joy. You understand? Somebody's on the way. They're coming, they're coming, they're coming. Okay, we're going to pray. But that's catch my heart. Because God wants to produce sons and daughters in this church. And we won't give birth to them all. You understand? There's going to be sons and daughters. Some of our best members are in bed right now. They don't know Jesus, or they're up the shops, or they're at the football, or they're playing golf. Some of our best leaders are still out there. You understand? Some of our best leaders are disaffected, have fallen away from the Lord. But we need to learn to teach them and realize the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Number one. Number two, we are anointed. Number three, we have good news that we should experience and enjoy, number four, the benefits, that we should start where we are and finish the journey that God has placed you on, and that we should always know that God has given us some clothes for the job. He's given us salvation. He's given us righteousness. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. Lord, this isn't just words. This is a declaration of truth a declaration of truth that you have given us a vision. You have given us assignment. You've anointed us for this purpose and for this reason. 
And so, Lord, I pray for every single person in whatever shape, way, or form who is connected to this ministry. Father, I pray for all of us. I pray for ones who aren't here today. They're away. I pray for ones, Lord, who don't even know you, but in the future they will play an amazing part. Give us a heart for the lost. Give us a heart for what you're excited about. Repair, restore, renew our relationship with you. We need you, Lord Jesus. We've wandered, Lord Jesus. We've gone off at tangents, Lord Jesus. For some of us, Lord, the ministry has become more important than you. For some of us, Lord, our husband and our wife has become more important than you. For some of us, Lord, our sons and daughters have become more important than you. For some of us, Lord, our jobs, our career, our finances have become more important than you. For some of us, Lord, our difficulties, our problems have become more important than you. Restore to us, Lord, the joy of our salvation. Help us to remember what it was like to come back home as prodigals and the welcome we received. Some of us have turned into elder brothers, nitpicking, complaining, moaning about what the prodigals receive, about how the fathers treated people, moaning about the father, moaning about the prodigal son. Forgive us, Lord. Our humanity comes through at certain points. Forgive us. Restore everything that you have for us. Help us to realize we proclaim good news. Good news. Good news. Good news. Get that into your head. It's good news. The kingdom is good news. It's good news. It's good news. It's good news from the youngest to the oldest. It's good news. It's good news. The Freedom Center is good news. You being here is good news. Your assignment is good news. The world has too many prophets of gloom and doom. Let us be prophets of righteousness. Prophets that bring good news. Good news to the poor. So, Lord, Father, we thank you for all you're doing within us. Bless us. Be with us. And we'll be sure to give you all the glory. In Jesus' lovely and precious name, amen. Amen. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.